Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on Voice America, voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Today we're talking about something that a lot of us in our culture don't have, and that is patience. And my guest is the author of the book, Patience, The Art of Peaceful Living. You know, to survive the roller coaster ride of life with all of its annoyances and delays and all of our changing shifts from pleasure to pain and gain to loss and praise to blame requires a depth of patience. And many times when we need it the most, we run out of patience. In this life-changing book, my guest, author Alan Locos, sheds new light on the nature of patience and he's going to give us a practical approach so that we can develop this really essential state of mind. Welcome, Alan. So much. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, what, why did you write this book? Well, you know, <laughs> the, the funny answer to that, if I may, is that um, about two years ago, when a previous book I wrote was published, the very next day, friends called and were offering good wishes and congratulations. And as early as 8 in the morning, one of them said, oh, this is great. What are you going to write next? And I said, hey, patience, <laughs> which I, don't, I didn't even realize at the time was going to be the real answer. But the more people asked me what I was really interested in writing next, the more I found myself saying, I really want to write about patience. It seems to me uh, something that would be really essential. You know, many and, times we write about what we need to learn most in our lives. Is that something you needed more of? Well, I, I'm sure that I did. I'm probably one of those people who um, doesn't really struggle enormously with patience, but of course, every time you do, you know, every time something comes up, every time someone pushes your buttons or... You're stuck in a long line waiting, and you become really impatient, then you feel that you need more patience. So I think it's something that we all tend to experience. What really uh, got me going on this book was something that a friend said one evening after dinner. Uh, we were chatting, and I was speaking about this thought of writing about patience. And she said, you know, just about every mistake I have ever made and every unkind word I have ever spoken might have been avoided if I had been more patient. And when she said that, I was just startled. I, I thought that was such an incredible insight. And, of course, I realized immediately the same was true for me. I actually excused myself and, and ran into the computer and, uh, and just wrote that line down, and that repeat, was it. I repeat was, that line again for our listeners, Alan. Sure. It's actually in the book as well, but what she said was, just about every mistake I have ever made and every unkind word I have ever spoken might have been avoided if I had been more patient. Isn't that an amazing statement? Yeah, and, and, and very true for most yeah. of us. 
for most of us. Yeah. And, and, you know, often that's turned inward. So it's an unkind word to ourselves as well. And we often will, we often will make a mistake when we're just upset with ourselves. And so we move ahead too quickly. Right. Well, of course, it didn't take me long to realize that the very first chapter in this book should really be patience with self. We, mm-hmm. we, so many of us feel that we can be more forgiving, more lenient with others, but we can be very harsh with ourselves. All right, Alan, so here's a question for you. What if someone is trying to break a tough habit, whether it's drinking, smoking, wrong relationship, um, a- any of those addictive kinds of patterns, and they're trying, doesn't work, trying, and they're losing patience because it's not working. Any suggestions there? Well, let's first of all understand what patience actually is. We, are, we use a rather strange language when we speak about patience. We say, uh, I don't have a lot of patience or I'm losing my patience. And that suggests that patience is some sort of a thing or commodity that I have, or, and then I could lose, or then perhaps I would find again. And, of course, when you think about it, that's not really what patience is at all. Patience and impatience are feelings, and they're feelings that arise under given circumstances, or, or what we could refer to as causes and conditions. Under the right causes and conditions, impatience arises, and we experience that. So it's not a, it's not a thing, it's a feeling. makes it actually quite difficult to define. So, uh, to apply this more directly to your question, we're trying to... Um, break patterns, what we could call um, conditioned behavior. Yes. Uh, conditioned behavior would be that, um, well, one of your illustrations was that one may be drinking too much or smoking too much. Um, or eating now, too much. <laughs> I'm sorry? Or eating too much. Or eating too much. That's popular, isn't it? So we know that we are attracted to food because it has pleasant feelings about it. Um, for some people, uh, alcohol, the same way, or cigarettes. Um, so we, the first thing, of course, that we want to do is to realize that we are attracted to these things, to um, to smoking, to drinking, to food. Um, of course, one might simply be addicted and not really be attracted to, um, let's say, to cigarettes. One might really want to stop. Um, now, you know, there is another issue here in that um, cigarettes, alcohol are addictive. Mm. So there is a physical factor aside from the factor of trying to change um, conditioned behavior. The starting place that I think is really applicable is to try to build uh, a personal motivation. Um, And what I mean when I say personal motivation is that 
um, to cut down on drinking because everyone says that I should or uh, because it's the right thing to do or because a doctor says um, that it will be healthier for me is not what I would call personal motivation. Personal motivation requires looking within. I have a, a practice that I recommend in the book, Patience, that is for a period of one week to take just five minutes a day and possibly even less, three or four minutes a day, sit down in a quiet place and ask yourself, why? Now, the question might be, why do I want to become a more patient person? Or, why do I want to cut down on my drinking or cut down on my smoking? And just ask that question. Keep that question present in consciousness. Why do I want to cut down on my drinking, as an example? And just repeat the question. Don't even look for an answer. The answers will appear when they are ready. And but I would also say to... What, I'm sorry? That's part of the patience, isn't it? You know, the answers yes, will is. appear when they're ready. And that's patience. And uh, I just want to ask you, do you think that patience also is related to trust? Because, you know, you're waiting for that answer and you have to trust that it will come. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, people think of patience uh, as a very passive quality, as an inactive quality, as a meditative quality. And it may be a meditative quality, but it is definitely not passive. Patience yes. is very active and vital. And as you said, it requires trust, it requires courage, it requires integrity, it requires a compassionate heart open for oneself and for those around us. Um, because pa to the development of patience is going to take effort. Uh, a line that I used a number of times in the book is that it takes patience to develop patience. Yeah, I want to share with you, when I wrote my, one of my first books, I had the five P's to success, and the last one was patience. And I always said that that's one of the hardest ones for me because it's kind of like, you know, planting seeds and not knowing which one's going to grow, but you have to wait patiently to see which one does. And so in that sense, it is very active, as you said. Yes, and when you plant those seeds, you can't keep tugging on the little sprouts that are, are showing to see how the growth is going. You have to be patient. You have to trust that you planted the seed. And it will grow. And again, as you said, that takes trust. I want to ask you about anger because sometimes listeners and sometimes readers might confuse patience with just suppressing the anger. And there is a difference. And I know you've done research about this. Yes, and that's a very important point. Um, the practice of uh, patience is not the practice of sub, um, subduing or denying feelings. It's really quite the opposite. To really develop a depth of patience, we need to look at what is going on within us. And 
when we see um, impatience arising, when we see anger arising, we need to acknowledge that, not to suppress it and not to deny it. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, I'm becoming angry and I shouldn't be angry about this. I would throw that kind of thinking out. What, what is there, the feelings that are there, are absolutely fine. They're normal. There is nothing wrong with having a sense of anger. What we want to do is to be aware that we're experiencing anger so that we don't, again, through conditioned behavior or having a knee-jerk reaction, act on that anger. We need to, we need to create uh, a spaciousness, a pause between our perception of an event and then our response to that um, so to our that, perception. Is that the biggest problem with impatience, is that we don't pause? Well, it's certainly a great starting place to deal with impatience because if we pause, we're not going to cause harm. And it's in that pause that patience has the space to develop. Without that pause, it really can't. Uh, patience cannot develop on the run. Inner peace cannot develop on the run. Equanimity cannot develop on the run. So I consider that kind of a pause to be an absolutely sacred moment. Let's talk about stressful times. You know, and many times we're reactive in stress. How do you help people when they're in stressful times to be patient? Which can be a challenge, Alan, because people will give that knee-jerk response and then later on say, oh, I should have had patience. Right, right. And, of course, then it's too late. And if we speak when we're impatient and our words uh, show and communicate this impatience or this anger, uh, we can apologize later. We can try to make amends, but one thing we know for sure, you can never really take back your words. The words are out there. To deal with stressful situations, I think, again, we want to learn how to look within what we might call the inner landscape and become really intimately familiar with what is going on in, uh, in terms of our own thoughts, feelings, emotions, and sensations, so that in a stressful situation, and, you know, stress is different for all of us. Um, I might feel great stress when I'm in a traffic jam and I have to get to an appointment on time. And you, on the other hand, might be able to say, you know, it's traffic, there's nothing I can do about it, I'll get there as soon as I can. So stress levels are really different for all of us. But for those of us who, who really experience a lot of stress, we need to become familiar with what that feels like. Stress is a word. It's a label. But it doesn't tell us anything really about what the experience is that's going on within. And we're only going to become familiar with that if we stop and we just look within. And if that seems complex, it's nothing more than 
taking a look at what is going on in the mind. What are the thoughts that are going by? What are the emotions that are arising? And we try to do that in a non-judgmental way. In other words, no thoughts or feelings are good or bad. They're just thoughts and feelings. And it is the nature of mind to have thoughts arise this way. Thoughts arise and die away constantly, all day long. That's what the mind does. So So we want to watch the mind doing that, as I said, in a non-judgmental way, without grasping, without clinging to these thoughts. And when we do that, we're practicing what is called mindfulness. All right, so share some of the practices that you offer in your book. Well, the first one, because I think it's so important, I put it first, is this idea of developing a personal motivation. What, will, what is motivating me? What matters to me? So we can take the subject of patience to start with. If I feel that I experience impatience more than I would like and I want to do something about that, the first thing I do is to, to learn why I want to do something about it. it. It's just not enough to say I should be more patient mm-hmm. or my wife thinks I should be more patient or my colleagues at work say that I'm an impatient person. Uh, it's just not going to be enough to motivate us down the road when we're really facing challenges. So I think that the first place is is to really create the ground, the uh, personal motivation. Why do I want to be a more patient person? And I sit with that thought, and I let I let the thoughts come up, and some of them might not be very pleasant. I might realize how I snap at the kids for the, for the slightest thing when they don't deserve it. Why? Uh, because I've had a, a long day at work and I'm tired. Or I'm hungry. Or I, I was at work all day long and I felt I just wasn't being heard. I wasn't being seen. I just felt unimportant all day and I come home, and I'm a bit grumpy, and, you know, that's all it is. I feel a bit grumpy. So it doesn't mean, though, that I have to be impatient with myself or with others, and I need to look at what motivates me. Why do I want to do something about that? It sounds like there's a lot of, you know, self-acceptance in all of this and self-forgiveness in all of this, too. There is. Um, but it's very difficult to forgive self while we're annoyed at self. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can forgive myself if I see I'm a human being, I make mistakes, and now what I want to do is learn from my mistakes. If I expect that I have to be perfect, I will be impatient with myself. If I expect that my my partner, my wife, my husband also has to be perfect, I will be impatient. If I expect that the environment around me has to be perfect, I'll be impatient because those things just don't happen. It is not the nature of the world. 
It's not, it's not the nature of the human body. Human body is both miraculous and fragile. You know, you only have to touch a bone the right way, and it breaks. Mm. All of that is part of the nature of the way things are. And we, we need to find a way to accept things the way they are, and then, of course, balance that with the wisdom to be able to see when something is not acceptable. And then with patience and wisdom, we step forward and act on that. You interviewed a lot of people in this book. Tell us about some of the people that really impressed you the most. Give us one or two. Yeah, you know, uh, my, my first step in beginning this book was um, to do some research, and I sent out several thousand copies of a simple questionnaire. Two questions. The first was, under what circumstances do you tend to lose your patience? And the second was, what do you do about it? These were not sent out randomly. They were sent to friends and then friends of friends and friends of friends uh, until it amounted to several thousand. The first thing that I learned is people don't want to talk about it. Instead of receiving thousands of those forms back, and by the way, I said on the form, do not put your name on the form. This has to be anonymous. Instead of receiving thousands back, I received a handful maybe a few hundred. And when I actually questioned a few friends specifically as to why they hadn't returned the questionnaire, one person is very, very bright, a scholar actually, said, you know, even though you said don't put any names on this, if I had really answered this truthfully and my wife read the book, she would know it was me and I was talking about her. And he said, that's why I don't want to do it. And I thought that was an interesting point to start with. Alan, did you find there, were, uh, there was commonality in terms of what people said um, triggered them to lose patience, or were they all very individual? No, there definitely was a pattern that uh, was easy to put together. Were they, what um, was it? It's an, an interesting thing. I'll, I'll, let me put this question out to you and see what you think. What do you think was the number one answer when people were asked, under what circumstances do you tend to lose your patience? What do you think was the most common answer? Oh, I can only give the one that I would give, but I don't know if it's the most common answer. Try it. Um, let's see. Um, for me, I, I think the most common answer is something about, I don't, this isn't my answer, but I think the most common answer is something about I'm not getting what I need fast enough. I wanted something, and I'm frustrated, and I'm not getting it fast enough. That would be my guess as to what people said. Yes, and that's very close to, I would say that that's kind of a tributary of what was the most common answer. The most common answer was, I lose my patience when I feel I'm not being seen or I'm not being heard. It's very interesting. Yeah. Here's the answer that I would have given you if you asked me that personally. It's the exact same answer said differently. I lose my patience when I feel like I'm being diminished in some way. I'm right. being invisible. I'm exactly what you said, which is not being heard and not being seen. Yes. And when that's I'm not being recognized. Yeah. Right. 
That's exactly is, what you just said. But, but exactly. Still, that's, uh, I would call that just another version of the same thing. Yeah. I'm not being seen. I'm not being heard. I'm not, not being, being acknowledged. Recognized. I'm invisible. Right. Yeah. That, that, that really triggers me. Uh, now, now we come to the second and third most common answer. Second most common answer was, I tend to lose my patience when I'm tired. Mm. And then, I tend to lose my patience when I'm hungry. So you start to isn't see there, Excuse that, me, isn't there something about being tired, angry, hungry, and lonely? Those are like four major triggers. They start to go together, don't they? And, yeah. you know, when you, when you see that, you say, this isn't rocket science. This is, this is kind of obvious. You know, if I tend to lose my patience when I'm tired, well, how about making sure that you get a little bit more rest? If I tend to lose my patience when I'm hungry, then maybe I need to find out, am I a three-meal-a-day person, or am I more of a grazer? Do I need to eat small amounts throughout the day? And isn't it worth it? See, this is what I mean by personal motivation and personal insight. I need to know what works for me individually because there isn't, there isn't just this universal law of this causes impatience for everybody. But there, there is this opportunity to look within oneself individually and determine, yeah, if I just graze a little bit throughout the day, maybe have a couple of spoons of yogurt here, a carrot stick there, or whatever pleases me, I find that I'm a whole different person throughout the day. That's me, by the way. I'm, I'm a gentle grazer throughout the day, and then I feel fine. You know, it's interesting for me because of all of those four things, lonely, angry, tired, and hungry, my trigger is lonely. Mm. That, that will, that, and everybody has something different, as you said. Yeah. Now, you know, you had asked about um, some of the people specifically yes. where I did extensive interviews. Um, there are four that uh, I put into the book because I thought their stories were extraordinary. Uh, the Native American sculptor Michael Naranjo, when he was 20 years old, Michael was uh, blinded in Vietnam and lost the use of most of his right hand. And then through long periods, I mean, several years of rehabilitation, um, he was able to fulfill his dream. He not only became a sculptor, but he became a world-famous sculptor. And he's an extraordinary man. I spent a few days with Michael out in Santa Fe interviewing him, and uh, we've become good friends Then, since then. He's, he taught me so much about patience. Um, just a wonderful man. I'm so happy that his story can be in the book. And then a young woman, Noel Carmichael, I met her when she was 26 years old. She had just finished about with a rare form of ovarian cancer at 26 years old. Mm. And she was offered the opportunity to go to Tanzania to build a factory that would produce a product called Plumpy Nut, this highly enriched product uh, 
um, that is supposedly the, the most concentrated source of protein that we know. And it is said that uh, if this could be produced locally in Tanzania, it could save thousands of children's lives. So here's Noel, who mm-hmm. sat down with me. She was a meditation student of mine. And she said to me, Alan, how do you build a factory? I don't know anything about that. And I said, I don't know anything about how you build a factory, but the people who want to hire you must think that somehow you can figure this out. So she went to Tanzania. She met with all kinds of obstacles. I mean, when she would send me emails telling me about what was going on, it was so frustrating. There must have been 25 people ready to sell her the plot of land she needed. All of them seemed to own the exact same plot of land. they all frauds. And she worked her way through all of that, and she eventually built this factory, and it is producing Plumpy Nut, and thousands and thousands of malnutritioned children are now leading lives that are entirely different. It's extraordinary what this young woman did. Well, I wish we had more time to tell more stories. People are just going to have to get your book to read them. So tell us, Alan, let me just tell people that our guest today has been Alan Locos, who's the founder and guiding teacher of the Community Meditation Center in New York City. He's the author of Patience, The Art of Peaceful Living, and Pocket Peace, Effective Practices for Enlightened Living. And he was selected as one of 50 inspiring religious leaders you should follow on Twitter. So, Alan, tell people how they can find you and your work. Well, there is a website. Uh, the address is cmcnewyork, spelled out, dot org. So it's cmc as in cat, Mary cat, New York, dot org. And they can click on the image of the patient's book or pocket piece and that will take you to pages that have lots of information. There are excerpts from the book. Um, and, of course, it's available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and all the local indie stores. Right. And I hope it's a benefit to people. Thank you so much for being on the program. It's thank been really- you. really was enjoyable. All right. Thank you. Stay on the line. All right, folks. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com.